Hey everyone, welcome to the Happy Flosser podcast. My name is Billy Lunt. I am your host, and I am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program. Welcome, so glad to have you. In this episode, we're going to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Why do you think this is important in the field of dental hygiene? It's important because we need to understand our patients and where they are on their path to improving their oral health and creating changes in their behavior. And an important thing to know and understand really well is Maslow's hierarchy of needs so that you're able to help navigate your patient through the changes that they need to make successfully. There's several theories that you need to know and use in the field of dentistry to really help you when you're working directly with patients and you're looking to change an actual behavior with your patients in order to achieve better oral health outcomes. Now, the most effective way to reach individuals is to increase their knowledge or to change the behavior, change the message of how you're speaking to the patient about the challenge that they have. And this can be discovered during the assessment process in the appointment sequence with your patient. Motivation is a quest to satisfy unfulfilled needs. Maslow identified five levels of human needs, physiological needs, things like breathing, food, water, sleep, shelter. The second level of need is safety, security of the body, of employment, of resources, of the family, of health, property. The third layer on Maslow's hierarchy of needs is love and belonging, things like friendship, family, and intimacy. The fourth level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is esteem, things like confidence, achievement, respect of others, respect by others. The highest level, the fifth level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is self-actualization. This is the area where creativity or spontaneity, problem solving, lack of prejudice, acceptance of facts, and morality come in. And Maslow proposed two rules, which helps us identify which of these levels are most important around the topic of motivation. Now, a satisfied need does not motivate. When you've just eaten, the urge to eat is gone. The sight and smell of most delicious food is unlikely to tempt your appetite because you're not hungry. The second rule is higher levels of needs do not emerge until lower levels are largely satisfied. For example, you're not going to develop things like creativity and self-esteem until you have the basics of food, clothing, shelter, friendship, intimacy, family, and health. Since the two lower levels of the triangle needs are largely satisfied in our society, they're not usually good motivators. Since the social and esteem levels, right, so love and belonging and esteem needs in our society are not adequately satisfied, these are the levels of need which people perceive or feel. So self-actualization is also not a useful source of motivation for our patients when we are trying to change a behavior. The message from Maslow's analysis is this. The needs that people perceive 
and then therefore motivate them are generally needs in the middle levels of the triangle. Social and esteem, to change a behavior of our patients, we must usually appeal to these needs. With a brief background on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, let's see how these ideas, including the two rules about motivation, can help in dealing with some of the practical problems in motivating dental patients. So, if you have an individual with a pressing dental problem, for example, a toothache or bleeding gums, this patient will be motivated to learn how to get out of discomfort. They will most likely be motivated to practice effective plaque removal if they are told that this will help with their situation. One of the pressing needs that they are aware of are satisfied, right? The toothache will be gone or the gums will no longer bleed. Their short-term motivation is evident, but the long-term motivation is a problem. Obviously, even though their teeth feel fine, their periodontal condition is deteriorating and they need better plaque control. Now, using Maslow's hierarchy of needs to appeal to this person's level of security, a statement which is perceived as a threat to their well-being may have some impact, such as, unless you take care of your periodontal problem, you will lose all of your teeth in five to 10 years. Now, this is a bit unprofessional. To appeal to this individual's love and belonging needs, you may want to suggest that if they perform daily effective plaque removal, they may not have to worry about bad breath. This is an especially effective strategy for motivating teenagers. They want to feel socially acceptable and to be accepted by a group. Another motivating statement would be something like, your teeth will look great and so will you. To appeal to this individual's esteem needs, you need to build on their sense of dignity and personal worth. Statements should provide reassurance of self-acceptance. In summary, motivation is basically a quest to satisfy a need. A need is some object or state of affairs to which an individual aspires. The trick in motivation is to show another person how your proposal will lead to satisfaction of their need. The other person may not always be conscious of the need. So an important part of motivation may be to make the need apparent to the patient. This is what a good salesman does, of course, but as clinicians, we are looking to the betterment of our patient's oral health needs, and they might not understand what those needs are. Essentially, as a hygienist, you're trying to help your patient perceive a need and show them how your advice will satisfy that need. Your guidance is something that they also need, and you want them to be part of that process. Let's do a clinical application of why it's important for you as a healthcare provider to really understand Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the motivation and what helps patients actually create an action step or change a perspective so that that as a result changes their behavior. It's really interesting because part of your success in helping a patient go down the path of health is to really take the time to understand what's motivating them, what their beliefs are, what is keeping them from moving forward with something that may seem like an obvious, easy thing to you, but it's, it's a barrier for them. So it's really important for you to take a step back and really develop that relationship. Ask good questions 
so that you can understand what those beliefs are and and how that you can create an opportunity for your patient to see the value and have their own discovery of their situation, of their oral health status, so that they can move forward and have their own motivation. Because if you can help them shift their own beliefs, right, we don't lecture our patients, we don't just tell them what to do, but we walk them down the path to self-discovery and discovering what their action steps need to be in order for them to get healthy. And in some of the early uh, discovery for yourself, in am I doing a great job with oral hygiene instruction with my patients so that I can build value in what I'm asking them to do, the change that I'm asking them to make? You'll know that you're doing a great job in your dialogue with your patient when all of a sudden they're asking you more questions. Maybe you only planned on talking to them about a little change that you want them to make, an adjustment that you want them to make in how they brush their teeth. But then through the process of discussion with that patient where you're helping them understand the benefit and you're trying to understand what their beliefs are around disease, around the severity, around the importance, and you're trying to help them build a better outcome, you notice that they start asking you lots of questions. Now, when the patient starts asking you lots of questions, that should be an indicator to you in your mind that you have shifted their perspective and now they are engaged in the relationship and they are engaged in the process of really discovering what it is that you're trying to share with them so that they can make a change in their behavior. It's, it's actually a wonderful, beautiful thing when you are intentional about how you deliver the information and how you share the benefits with the patient so that they can come to realize themselves what their beliefs are and what changes they have to make and one of the indicators that you know as a clinician that you're doing things in the way that is engaging the patient is when they start to ask lots of questions and maybe they start asking you about mouthwashes and different products and you're like, okay, I was just looking to change their behavior today on how their brushing technique is and now we're having a full-on conversation. When this happens, you still want to hold back a little bit and just give them that little bit of information about that brushing technique. But you can certainly answer their questions about some of the other engaging thoughts that they're having and know that you'll have a relationship and down the road, you can just implement more and more of these things so that your patient improves over time. I do, I do wanna share an example of you know, uh, behavior changes that occur as a result of motivation. And one of the most obvious ones that I can share with you is when you have a patient who's been coming to see you for a long, long time, and they have several um, situations in their mouth going on, and you've talked to them about these conditions uh, at length, every visit over time, you know, you've seen them for a, a while, you have a great relationship with this patient. And you just know that they are not going to move forward with treatment for one reason or another. But the reality is it all comes down to a main construct. It's either motivation, 
you're not engaging with them in a way that motivates them or there's fear or there's a cost association and, and even the cost association sometimes if you peel back a couple of those layers then you can get to the real core and, and usually there's just they're not motivated to make those changes or there's a, a fear consideration so you have this patient they they just haven't moved forward with treatment and all of a sudden you go out to get them in the reception area today and they are so motivated to make all these changes that you've been talking to them about for a long long time and through the interview process when you're updating their medical history and you're just talking about what's been going on you discover that now their child is getting married Ding, 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 right? So all of a sudden, this is a really great example for you to understand that motivation really is the foundation behind what drives people to make big changes in their lives. If all of a sudden a person finds out that their child is getting married, now they are reassessing all the different aspects of their life and they're motivated to make some changes because they want a different outcome. Maybe they want to lose 10 pounds before the wedding and they want to fix their smile so that it looks a certain way and they want to feel a certain way. And so all of a sudden, this one event that is taking place in their life has motivated them. So in their own life, in their own circle of their life, this has become a pressing need. So this pressing need as we see in Maslow's design, has become really important to them. Their love and belonging, their esteem needs, these are the needs that they want to fulfill. And the wedding that they've just found out that they're going to attend and be one of the main stars or components is their motivating or driving factor behind what's making this change. I just wanted to use that as an example to you because I don't think we typically target motivation behind most of the changes in behavior that we're looking to accomplish for our patients. And sometimes we can get blindsided by the patient showing up one day and all of a sudden they have all this motivation uh, and desire to make the changes that you've been talking about to them for a long, long time. And if you just take a look and, and do a little bit of interviewing, you'll discover what is motivating that patient. So that one is easy to find because they're actually sharing with you what's motivating them. So what I'm asking of you, which is a lot harder skill to develop, is to discover the motivation of just everyday unmet needs that patients have. And those are a lot harder than the person who's showing up and their child is getting married. We're talking about those little motivating factors of vanity or, or um, social connection between people and, and really understanding connecting a person's um, beliefs to their oral health. And that can sometimes be a lot more challenging than the person who just shows up and says, ta-da, I want to fix everything. I have a child getting married and now I'm motivated. But I just want you to really think that, I want you to really consider that you have all of that skill in your interviewing process to understand and develop that relationship with your patients so that you can truly understand and get to the core of what drives them, what helps them make decisions, and what helps them change their understanding about how they're connected to their own choices, their own beliefs, and then their own decisions as they go ahead. As you develop the skills as a clinician to really motivate and move your patients. 
one of the most important things I just want you to consider, instead of telling a patient what they need to do, show them with the disclosing solution what's going on in their mouth and let them come up with their own conclusions of what it is they need to do. Just hand them the mirror and say, what do you think? This disclosing solution shows you where all the biofilm is. The darker color is where it's been there longest. What do you think? When you look at your teeth, what do you see? What are your conclusions? What do you think we need to work on? Is there something I can help you with? If you let your patient just digest that information a little bit, they can come up with their own conclusions and share that with you, and then you can provide additional support to them. Think about that a little bit. Do you think that that would be a stronger driver for your patient, a stronger motivator, instead of just telling them right out of the gate what they need? Give them a little bit of time to digest the information of what that disclosing solution shows them so that they can go through the discovery process and understand it for themselves. It'll go such a long way at creating that relationship and then they will be all ears to listen to what you have to say once they've discovered that they have a need and they have to change a behavior. Good luck with this. This develops over time. And I promise you, if you just take the time to learn these strategies, it's going to go a long way at helping you improve the lives of every patient that you work with. Are you looking for study sheets? I've created study sheets that cover the content of this episode. If you're interested or that's something that's going to help you on your learning journey, you can click the link listed right in the description of these show notes. Happy studying! I would invite you to send me any questions that you need answered. Questions come up when you listen to this podcast. I have a link in the show notes and I'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Also, I would appreciate a review if you have time to leave one. Thank you so much.